Well, today, uh, if you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, today we're going to continue our series called One Change, One Change. And this series, if this is the first time that you're visiting Canyon Hills, this series is about all of us pursuing change to better pursue Jesus Christ, about going after and making some change that we need to make that will help us better pursue Jesus Christ. What do we need to change? What do we need to get out of the way so that we can become more like Jesus? As I began this series a couple weeks ago, I said, God loves you just the way you are. And that is so absolutely true. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He sees things that he wants you to change in your life to become more like him and more like his son. And so he wants you to pursue his son, Jesus, and become more and more and more like him. So to do that, in this series, you may find that maybe you need to, as these signs say, stop doing something. Or maybe God has been speaking to your heart for a long time about something he wants you to change or do differently, but you've been unwilling to yield to him. And maybe it's been a long time. God's saying, hey, I want you to move away from that. Stop that. But you haven't been willing to yield. Maybe some of us, uh, we need to slow down. Anybody need to slow down your life? (laughs) We're going so fast, and there's so many things we're doing that we have no time to be with God. No time to seek Him in prayer and and, and say, God, what what should I do here and there? And, and, And learn to hear His voice. Some of us need to make Maybe a U-turn. Maybe we've been walking completely on the wrong path for a period of time. And God says, hey, it's time to turn around. Maybe you need to change your direction and, and take a different road. Whatever that might be. In this series, we're encouraging you to make a change. And in fact, we're using this little symbol over here, this bike. We're encouraging you to become like a cyclist. We're encouraging you to straddle a bike, <laughs> to, to pursue change like a cyclist, like a cyclist who seals in his heart to pursue his goal, whether that goal is to ride 5 miles or 10 miles or 25 miles or 50 miles, whatever that goal, he seals in his heart, he's going to pursue that goal. Like a cyclist, I want to encourage you to then stay in pursuit of that goal mile after mile. Be like a cyclist who endures the sweat who endures the shakiness of exhaustion that comes from pursuing that goal. We're encouraging you to pursue the goal of making at least one change during this series, at least one change in your life that will let you better pursue Jesus. Because this is what the Word of God says. Take a look at this. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but... Be transformed, or we could say changed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be changed. What change do you need to make to be more like Jesus Christ and less like this world? What change would that be? What weekly change do you need to pursue? What monthly change do you need to pursue? You've seen this before, but take a look at this. Weekly is a change that you need to make, that of pursuing one day of prayer and fasting every week. Saying, God, I am so serious about seeking you. I'm not going to eat today. I'm going to spend more time. I still got to go to work, but I'm going to spend more time in prayer with you. And during my meal times, God, I'm going to let that just be alone time in your word. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be seeking you. 
Is that a change you need to make? Because maybe there's little prayer in your life, let alone fasting. Is a goal that you need to pursue one day of worshiping God. Now, you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir, but being consistent week after week to worship Him. How about pursuing one day of exercising? Is that a change you need to make? That's why I'm wearing a coat. I kind of suck it in this morning. No. That it, do you need to be a better steward of the body that God has blessed you with? Is a change you need to make one day of giving to be generous to God in His work, be generous to people in need? Or monthly is a change you need to make that of pursuing one day of serving, serving God, serving someone else in need. Or one day of sharing with a neighbor what God has done in your life or inviting that neighbor to come join you in worship. I mean, the question is, are you doing any of these things or are you doing them on a regular basis? Because these are the roads that God the Father wants you to ride on. These are the roads that God wants you to travel. These are the basics. These are the goals he wants you to pursue. The acts that make you more like Jesus. But when you conform to the pattern of this world, instead of doing these kinds of things that are God's will for you, that is when you're going to start experiencing more and more chaos in your life. If you conform to the pattern of the world, and just live like the world, you're going to find chaos in your life because you're not cooperating with your creator, because you're not riding on the road that God designed for you to ride. So here's the deal. If you turn from God's ways, your life will be troubled. It will be in chaos. But if you turn to God's ways, your life will be changed. It'll be changed for the better. The bottom line is this, the closer you get to God and his ways, the more your life is going to change, but listen, change for the better, change for the better. Remember when Paul got close to Jesus on the road to Damascus? When he got close to Jesus, this man who used to spread terror and fear changed and he began to spread the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus. Remember when Isaiah got close to God? He was changed from a man who was depressed into a man who became courageous for God. Remember when Moses got close to God? He was so changed that he was even changed physically. And the Bible tells us when he came down from the mountain, he glowed physically so brilliantly that people had to even look away. They couldn't even look upon Moses. Because these men got close to God, they were changed. And they were changed for the better. So the question as we begin today is what change do you need to make to get closer to God? What change would that be? Is there something standing in the way that you need to change so that you'll be a better person, so that you can better pursue Jesus? Now, at one time, you might say, well, pastor, I was, there was a time when I was extremely close to God. Not just knowing about him, but really walking with him and feeling I was, I was hearing his voice. and We had this walking and talking relationship, and I just felt God. There, there was a time like that. But maybe now you've drifted from him a bit. And, and you, you may still be doing lots of God-honoring things, lots of good things, but you're not as close to him as you once were. Maybe you have drifted. Maybe you've lost that spark that you once had. 
Well, if so, there's a story in the Bible about a guy who had also drifted from the father. And yet this guy decided to go back. And this story I want to share with you this morning tells you how you can get back and how you can get close to the father once again. It's called the story of the prodigal son. Take a look at it on the screen or in your Bible. The Bible says a man had two sons. When the younger told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting till you die. His father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and took a trip to the distant land. And there he wasted all of his money and parties and prostitutes. About the time his money was gone, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the swine looked good to him. And no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired men have food enough and to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long distance off, his father saw him coming and was filled with loving pity and ran and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I'm not worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the slaves, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, and a jeweled ring for his finger, and shoes, and kill the calf we have in the fattening pen. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost and is found. So the party began. I get chills when I read that story. Don't you love that story? An awesome story. So here's this kid, and he starts off saying, Dad, I want you to give me right now all I'm going to get when you're dead. Everybody say, wow, with me. Wow. This kid is saying, Dad, you're not dying quick enough for me. (laughs) I I want all that stuff that's going to be my inheritance. You're not dying quick enough, so give me my share right now. Well, the dad decides to do that, son packs up, son takes off, heads off to Vegas. No, that's not what the Bible says, right? Jerusalem. Heads off to Jerusalem, begins to party, wastes all of his money on wine and women. At the very same time, the country then goes into a recession because there was a famine in the land. So now jobs are scarce. He can't buy food, can't buy lodging. And food is so scarce, nobody's going to give him anything to eat. They're scraping by by themselves. And finally, somebody does hire him to do the worst job on the farm, slopping pigs, feeding the pigs. Now, most of you know I grew up in Iowa, and I had this job. Slop is leftover melon rinds, stale bread, grease from the fat of meat that you don't want to use, and it's just all the leftover yucky junk, bath water, whatever it might be. You get to go out and mom and dad say, Larry, it's your turn. Go slop the hogs. And that's what you do. And so he had this job of slopping the hogs. And that's tough for a young Jewish guy because in Jewish law, you're not even supposed to touch a pig, let alone go out and feed them. So he had a tough job. But he's so hungry. He says, okay, I got to make some money. I got to eat. And so he takes the job. But even he gets so hungry that even the pig slop starts looking good to him. And looking at the slop, 
he says, man, the servants in my father's house eat better than this. What am I doing? I would rather be a servant in my father's house than in some distant city starving. Then he says, I know I've done wrong. I know I've disappointed my father. I know I can't ask him to take me back as his son, but I will go back to him, and I will ask him to let me be one of his servants. And then you know the rest of the story. You know the father's response. Maybe, maybe some of you today are far away from the father this morning. Maybe you have drifted. Maybe even this week you ran away from God in some way and and did your own thing this week. If so, this story tells you how to get back and how to get closer to God once again. Write this down. To get closer to God, first of all, examine your life. Slow down. Take some time to take stock of your life. You see, you will never start pursuing change until you stop and examine your life. You'll never change the direction until you stop and examine your location. You need to do an examination of your location. You've got to say, this is where I really am. You've got to get to the place where you, like the prodigal son, say, I am fed up with the way I'm living. I am not going to live this way any longer. You see, an examination always precedes a transformation. So listen close. If you sit through this whole 10-week series saying, I don't need to examine my life. I'm doing just fine. I don't need to take a closer look at my life. I don't need to make any change. Well, you will not get closer to God, and you'll not get any better. You see, you've got to examine your life, and then when you find areas that are not honoring the Father, you need to say, I need to change. You see, that's exactly what the prodigal son did. Take a look at this. The Bible says he had wasted it all. He had nothing left. He was desperate and hungry, and he finally came to his senses. He examined his life. He said, this is the way it really is, and this is not good. He saw it as it really was, and he came to his senses. My question is, if, if you have drifted, are you there yet? Are you fed up with how you're living a part of your life? Are you fed up with falling to old temptations? Maybe long-term temptations. Are you ready to admit where you are and pursue change so you can get closer to the Father? God the Father says this. Take a look at this. You'll find me, here it is, when you get serious about finding me And want it more than anything else. You'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it. What's it? Closeness with him. When you want that more than anything else, you'll find it. The first step in finding God or getting closer to him is examining your life. and Just simply saying, this is not working. I will start pursuing God more than anything else. The second thing is this. To get closer, then confess your sin. Examine your life, and then if you find sin, confess it. You should get fed up with it. You should go to God and and own up to it. The Bible says this, when he, the prodigal son, came to his senses, he said, I have sinned. I've sinned against God. So he owned up to it. 
because he was experiencing the negative effects of his sin. You see, folks, when we start drifting and we start living in a pattern of sin, there's always negative effects. There's always stuff that takes place in our lives that are, that's not good. The Bible says this, Your sins have separated you from your God and have hidden His face from you. Do you, do you ever feel like God is not close to you? Like, like God is a million miles away? Like you don't see God doing anything for you? Even though God says He'll never leave you and He'll never forsake you? Well, if you feel that way, it's because your sins have separated you from your God. That's a consequence of living in sin. It's separation. And that's the very worst way you can go through life. Separated from God's presence. Separated from God's peace. Separated from God's power for living. Separated from God's provision. Separated from all of those things. So if you feel like God has left you, you need to understand, He's not, never left you. He always keeps His promises. Guess who moved? It's us. We do the drifting. We give our love to something else, something other than God. In the Bible, when you love anything more than God, that thing is called an idol. And we think that idols are something that's made of wood or stone, metal. They're, they're, they're images that people have made and they bow down to them and they worship them and that's all true. But there are other kinds of objects that sometimes we show more love to than we show to God. An idol can be your car. Man, you love that baby. You wax it. You detail it. You drive it around so people can see it. Come on, I know. I do that. But do you ever spend any time with God? But, oh, you spend it with your car. But are you spending any time with God, getting closer to Him? It can be your job. It can be your clothes in your closet, working on your physical looks more than your heart. It, it can be your house and, and your furnishings. It can be your money. It can be some hobby. But none of those things deserve first place in your life. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any false idols. But the good news is this. No matter how much you have sinned, no matter what idol you have allowed into your life, if you confess your sin, God then does something very special. He does something that none of us deserve. He forgives us and he washes away all of our sin. And all of God's people said, amen. Isn't that awesome? We don't deserve it, but he does this special work in our lives. He forgives and he washes it away. After David sinned with Bathsheba, and look at what David said, be merciful to me, O God, because of your constant love, because of your great mercy, wipe away my sins, wash away all my evil and make me clean. I recognize my faults and I I'm conscious that I've sinned against you. See, David owned up to his sin, and he confessed it. And when you do that, look at what the Lord says. The Lord says, no matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can remove it. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. I call that the oxyclean verse of the Bible. 
or the Clorox verse of the Bible. You know, sometimes, I mean, a lot of times, Shirley and I eat some dinner in, in the uh, couches in the family room, you know, and sometimes I'll eat chili, you know, sometimes I have this white shirt on, <laughs> t-shirt, and, you know, you spill some chili as you're eating, and, you know, that stain goes deep. God is saying, there's no sin stain so deep that I can't remove it. I can make you clean. I can wash you and make you whiter than snow. But here's the problem. If you're not doing a regular examination of your spiritual life, if you're not confessing the sin that you find, the moment you find it in your life, that sin just keeps growing and expanding and taking over more territory in your life. It's kind of like not getting a regular physical from your doctor. You know, we go to the doctor, we say, Doc, check out my body. Do I have anything in my skin that needs to come off? And God, I, doctor, I, you know, I, I probably need a colonoscopy, you know, one of those fun things, you know. It's like not going to the doctor and not getting a regular physical checkup means that there could be something in there growing that could do great harm to you. And so if you're not doing regular checkups, something negative, something harmful could be taking over more and more territory and you're doing nothing about it to kill it or to remove it. It's the same way spiritually. If sin goes unchecked, unconfessed, it just keeps growing in you like a cancer inside of you doing more and more harm. The Bible says this, so test yourself to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. If you fail the test, do something about it. Now, where do you do this spiritual test? You do it in your thought life. You do it in your thought life. I like to say it like this. You do the checkup from your neck up. Write that down somewhere. You do this spiritual test. You do this checkup from the neck up. That's where you do it. You think about your thoughts. You begin thinking about, what do I think about most? Is it work? Is it home? Is it my health? Is it my kids? Is it my grandkids? Is it the next fun outing for the family? I mean, are you ever thinking about how to be more consistent in attending worship and giving great, fervent worship to the Lord your God? Are you ever thinking about how I can maybe fast something to tell God, God, I am serious. I'm giving this up, God, until I get closer to you. Are you ever thinking about spending more special moments alone with God in prayer? Are you ever trying to arrange your calendar to make that happen? Are you ever thinking about using your spiritual gifts and resources to serve somebody in need? Are you ever thinking about using your life to invite somebody to come with you to church or to consider following Jesus? I mean, we all need to check our thoughts. We need to constantly be doing this checkup from the neck up. Are they sinful thoughts? Are they totally self-centered, selfish thoughts? Or are they God-honoring thoughts? Take stock of what's in your mind and your thoughts. We need to say to God on a regular basis, here it is, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Folks, if we want to get closer to God, we've got to take time to examine our lives and then confess any sin that we find. Amen? Oh, you're way quiet this morning. Amen? 
Boy, when it gets cloudy, people get quiet. Third, write this down. Then to get closer to God, submit to him. Submit to him. I think we struggle with taking time to examine where we really are. But then I think we're pretty good at confessing what we find. And we, we sin and, and this, this conviction of the Holy Spirit comes on us. And we confess, we confess, we confess. But I, I think we don't do very good at submitting to God. Examining is hard for us. Confessing, we've kind of got down. But this thing of submitting... The prodigal son examined his life and he got fed up with it. He confessed his sin. He owned up to it. But then he submitted to God. And that means he offered himself up to God. To be God's servant. To be God's servant. The Bible says the son drifted away saying to his father, Give me, give me my share. But then the Bible says that he returned to the father and saying, Make me a servant. Notice the change. He drifted away saying, it's all about me. I want my stuff. But then he returned to the father. He said, let me serve you, father. He offered to be a servant to his father. My question is, are you there yet? The prodigal son changed. He was transformed. He moved from being self-centered to being God-centered. Are you letting God change you like that? I mean, are you letting God transform you into something better so you can better pursue Jesus? Are you really submitting yourself to God so he can change you like he changes a caterpillar into a butterfly, into something that can really soar, into something that can really fly, into something that's beautiful? The Bible says this, because God is merciful to you, Offer yourselves up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's what real worship is. Offering yourself to be a servant of God. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Folks, you can examine your life over and over. You can confess your sins over and over, but no real change will take place until you really offer yourself up, submit yourself to be a servant of God. But the moment you do that, the moment you do that, look how the Father responds. The Bible says, filled with love and compassion, he ran out to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him and said, bring the best. The moment you offer yourself up to God the Father, His love for you is so overwhelming that He runs full blast in your direction. He runs to you. He doesn't withhold anything from you. He doesn't discipline you. He gives His best to you. Folks, when we submit and say, God, I don't even deserve what you've planned for me to have, make me your servant. Just let me serve. He runs and wraps his arms around you. Amen? That's who our God is. So to get closer, examine your life, confess your sin, then really submit to him to serve him, and then to get closer to God, last, praise him. Praise him. Just praise him over and over and over for his, his love and his forgiveness and his acceptance of you, even though you've failed many times. Praise him for his love and acceptance and forgiveness. 
The father said, we're going to celebrate with a feast of eating and drinking. He was lost, but now he's found. So let the party begin. So just as the father celebrates your coming to him, you should praise him for his amazing grace. His amazing mercy. His amazing patience with your life. The Bible says this. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him. Now, some of you, when you think about coming to church, you might think, well, I'm coming here just to hear. I'm coming here just to hear the word. Not to sing. That's why I come 10 minutes late. Right? Some of you. I don't come to sing. I just come to hear the message of God. But the most important thing you are to do when you come is to lift praise to his name. Is to sing praise to the Father and give praise to the name of the one who's given you love and acceptance and forgiveness. And I know about now, some of you are thinking, Pastor, but you don't know me. I'm a prison singer. I'm a prison singer. I'm always behind a few bars and I never have the right key. (laughs) And I know. I've heard some of you. (laughs) I'm just a prison singer. But the Bible says nowhere that your singing has to be pretty. It just says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen? And so it would just delight my heart, but it would really delight the heart of the Lord if we were louder than the worship team. Amen? Yeah. Kim likes that. That we would just raise the rafters with great praise to God. And when you do that, he's going to come running to you and wrapping his arms around you. The prodigal son examined his life because he was fed up with it, confessed his sin. He owned up to it. He submitted to God. He offered himself up to him, praised the Father for his amazing grace. So this week, here's some homework. I'd like you to go home and examine your life. Get some alone time and say, God, what change do you want me to make so that I can better pursue you, so that I can become more like Jesus? And then do what it takes to pursue that change, to better pursue Jesus. Do whatever it takes. You know, when it, when it comes to riding a bike to a certain goal that you've set, whether that goal is 25 miles, 100 miles, 50 miles, no matter what that goal is, When you set that goal and you start out to pursue that goal, there's going to be times when it gets tough. Your legs are going to get weak. You're going to get shaky. You're going to run out of lung space. It's going to get hard. But the deal is this. If you just keep pedaling, you just keep pursuing that goal, you're going to make it. You're going to make it to that goal. And you're going to end up being closer to God than maybe you've ever been in your life. So just when you think you can't make it, just keep peddling. And the neat thing about enduring the hardship of pursuing God is that just when you think you can't make it, you can ask God for power beyond your own, and he gives it to you. Because there's nothing he wants more than for you, his child, to be closer to him. Keep peddling, amen? And keep asking God for the power to make it closer to him. Would you bow your heads with me? With each change you make, you will get closer to God. 
So would you determine right now to go home and examine your life, confess your sin, submit to really serve God and praise Him. And as we close, would you consider just praying this prayer after me in your heart? Father God, I want to get closer to You. I want You to be first in my life. You know what change I need to make. Reveal it to me, and I'll pursue it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. And all you desire is for us just to come back to you, full steam, and to draw close to you. And we thank you for your your promise in your word that if we draw close to you, you'll draw close to us. Like the Father, you'll come running to us, giving us your best. So Father, we're going to leave this place. We're going to continue this series. And we pray that you'd speak to our hearts and change every one of us one by one and change us corporately as a church family that we might become the church you've always dreamed of. We ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.